Welcome to The Pulpit, the sermon podcast of Calvary Moravian Church. My name is Pastor Chaz Snyder, and I hope you'll use this recording to grow deeper in God's Word and help you on your spiritual journey. Our Old Testament lesson is from Genesis 32, verses 22 through 31. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to them, to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, tell me, I pray, your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? For there he blessed him. Then Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him, and he passed through Peniel, limping because of his thigh. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson is from Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a lonely place, and the day is over. Send the crowds away to the villages and buy food for them. Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Now we have the opportunity to go to God in silence and meditation and prayer. So let us do that. Let us enter into the presence of God. Compassionate God, you are good to each of us. So help us to trust in you, to share what we have with a hungry world. For God, you have reached out to us and transformed us to reach out to all those who hunger for for what you can only give. So God, keep us on that path. 
the path that, that multiplies those blessings to others. For we come now praying to you for the concerns of our lives and the world. And God, we pray for your church, the church universal. May we serve you with an, with an abundant, steadfast love. And we pray for all peoples of the world, for all people groups, nations, and their leaders. God, we pray that war and conflict will cease, that peace will reign, that the hungry will be fed, and that refugees will return home in safety and peace. For God, you hear us, you hold each of us, and you help us. So help us to turn to you, to seek you as a source of blessing. For God, there lies in you an endless source of provision in your compassion. Lord, you heal the sickness and you satisfy our hunger. So God, we come now lifting up the prayers of our hearts. So we offer this time of silence to you as we lift up the names and the concerns of those that are close to us. God, we lift all these things up to you, trusting in your abiding presence and your timing. And now, God, by your Holy Spirit, feed us with your word that we might be filled with the bread of life. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So growing up in youth group, one of our favorite things to do every year was to go on our annual ski trip. This usually uh, fell around Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and we would all pile into the church van with a handful of chaperones, and we would head up to either Beach or Sugar Mountain, typically. And I was never and still are not an amazing skier or snowboarder by any stretch of the imagination. I wasn't terrible, but I was by no means particularly confident in my skills. So once we would get up to the slopes, we pretty much had free range until it was time for us to head back to wherever we were staying. So at some point on one of these uh, trips up to the, one of our youth ski trips, my friends and I had gotten off the chairlift. At the top, you could either go one direction uh, or you could go the other. And one was a pretty normal blue intermediate slope. And on the other was, oh, and it was a slope we had done a few times that day. The other side was the hardest black diamond on the mountain. Well, this story would not be worth telling if we went the correct way. So needless to say, we ended up at the top of this black diamond that I had no intention of skiing at any point during that day. And we had gone too far to the point around to which turning around was no longer a possibility. 
The, only, uh, the other people I was with did not seem to mind this nearly as much as I did. But as I stood there, looking down at what felt like a vertical drop, I was thinking to myself, what have I gotten myself into? But regardless of what I was thinking, I had to deal with the position I was in. I was going to end up at the bottom of that hill one way or the other. Gravity was going to win out in that competition. And I was hoping just to have enough control to not hurt anyone or myself as I went down. Luckily, I made it down relatively easily, although very, very slowly. And I tell you this story because it reminded me a bit of the story from Genesis today. As you probably know, we're looking at the lectionary stories from Genesis this summer. And in this one, we find that Jacob is in trouble. Not really surprising if you've been following along. Jacob tends to be in some kind of trouble quite often, and it's usually of his own making. So we have traveled with Jacob for several chapters now. But this story is the one where things really come to an important point. Similar to me standing at the top of that black diamond, Jacob is about to deal with the consequences of the things that have been building up in his life. Jacob has climbed to the top of this hill, and one thing, and there is one thing left, and it's for him to head down and to see where that will take him. And it has been some ups and downs for Jacob so far. We have seen that uh, over and over with his adversaries, over and over again. We've been traveling with him throughout each of these stories every week. At a young age, he tricked his father Isaac and his brother Esau into giving him the birthright and the blessing of the covenant. As an adult, he tricked his father-in-law, Laban, and then managed to grow for himself a large family and a very large estate, which we hear a little bit about in these verses. And Jacob might be feeling a certain level of confidence at this point. But there, but there is a big thing that he hasn't dealt with yet. So this is the point we're at in Jacob's saga. He is leaving the land of his uncle Laban and heading back home. And he's doing this because God has instructed him to do so. That If you read a few verses ahead of our lectionary, you will see that God has called him to go back to his homeland. God has spoken to him and given him a direction on which way to go. And he's traveling back to the land where he grew up and where his brother Esau still resides. So the time has come for Jacob to face his brother, to own up to what he has done to him for tricking him out of his birthright. And Jacob, I would imagine, is not looking forward to this family reunion. So he sends word to his brother that he is on his way and fearfully that fearing that his brother's hatred has festered over these years and that Esau is just waiting to destroy him. In fact, Esau, his brother, sent 400 men just to meet him on his way, an intimidation factor, I would imagine. So Jacob has good reason to be nervous about this reunion. So Jacob sends people in advance with gifts for Esau. And in his cunning way, he's trying to butter up his brother, perhaps to save his own skin. Remember, Jacob is a bit of a trickster. He's a bit of a schemer. 
He is used to getting what he wants from people that may not want to give it to him. So this kind of buttering up was probably nothing new to Jacob, and he might have been a pretty slick salesman in today's world. So on the night before this final confrontation, the night before he's about to meet his brother, Jacob spends a night alone in the desert. And this is the point in the story where things get quite interesting. In the middle of the night, Jacob starts wrestling with someone. The text doesn't say exactly who it is, and there is so much that can be read into this story of this wrestling match because there are so many questions that remain unanswered about what is going on. Who is Jacob's nocturnal opponent? Is it a man? Is it Esau himself, an angel? Is it God? Later, Jacob does say that he met God face to face. So often this story is labeled Jacob wrestles with God. But it's also pretty unclear of who exactly wins this wrestling match. Jacob is wounded and walks away limping. It says his hip was knocked out of socket. And his opponent declares to Jacob that he has striven with God and with humans and has prevailed. Another translation says it this way, because you have struggled with God and men and won. So does this mean that Jacob is the winner? That Jacob comes out uh, on top in this competition? Perhaps this match is one where there is no winner and no loser. Here's what we do know, that by the end of the night, after they've wrestled for presumably hours, Jacob believes that he's been wrestling with God. And Jacob doesn't die in this wrestling match and just barely holds on for dear life. But at the end, he is given a blessing. And he's given the blessing of a new name. He's given the name Israel, the name that will come to identify all of God's people, Israel. And this is what I find particularly fascinating. The name Israel literally translates to wrestle or to struggle with God. And I think this point is so important. I think it's so interesting. It's also the point in the story that I think is the most important for us to think about today. The name that God wanted to give to God's people, the one that he wanted his people to be known by, means to wrestle or to struggle with me, to wrestle or to struggle with God. And I think what we see here is a beautiful picture of the life of faith, one of not, not always totally having the answers, but one of trusting God, but still wrestling, of trusting in the struggle. And I think there is a great invitation to each of us as well, for the story invites us to acknowledge our own wrestling matches. Maybe it's with family members or friends, or even within ourselves, or perhaps even with God. It can take so many forms. Perhaps we wrestle with our own past. We remember those who we have hurt, and maybe we struggle to come to terms with our own shortcomings and our own failures. We wrestle with God when life gets challenging or difficult. We want to get our way and we, f and we 
and we get concerned when things are going the wrong way. We long for God's blessing and approval, yet there are things within us that hold us back. Maybe we're wrestling with friends or families or total strangers who hurt us in some way, and that affects how we trust anybody now. You see, the story of Jacob's wrestling reminds us that God welcomes that struggle, that God welcomes our struggle. In fact, it tells us that God wants to be there in the midst of those things, that he wants to be there to name those struggles, to say, I am in that with you, even if you come out limping. And that's okay, because God's blessing can still show up in the midst of it. God will meet us where we are. Even though we will never conquer God, God will stay with us and bless us in the midst of that struggle. God can be there to give that struggle a new name. And sometimes, just that can make the world of difference. You see, we and our world often like to give names to things, and that can make them even heavier. Things like anger, anxiety, depression, resentment, guilt, shame. This doesn't mean that all naming is bad. Diagnosis and treatments are all good things. But when we carry a name or a label in a negative way, when we feel that there is an extra weight weighing down on top of us, that label can become its own burden. And in this story, we see that in the wrestling, in that struggle, God is there to give that thing a new name. And you want to know the one name that God has for it all. That's grace. It's grace. The core message of our faith, the thing that Jesus came to teach about, went to the cross for, poured out his spirit for. It's grace that you are accepted as a beloved child of God regardless of everything else. What Jacob receives in this story is grace, even after all the screwing up that he did, even after time after time, God is there to give a new name to it all. So in the midst of your own wrestlings, in the midst of your own labels that may be weighing down on you, know that God is there to give those things a new name. And that is grace. So may you wrestle with God, knowing that in that struggle of faith, there is a grace that we cannot comprehend that is waiting for you. May you end up with a limp and with a new way of naming ourselves. And may you know that God's love will never let you go. Let us pray. God, we thank you that it is okay to wrestle, that it is okay to struggle, even with you. So help us to give a new name to our struggles, knowing that your grace is always extended to each of us. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen.